Hey everyone and welcome to Radically Normal. This is Michael and I'm here with Andre and on today's episode, titled The Wicked Witch of Endor, we discuss an interesting passage in 1 Samuel 28 and how it relates to all of us today in thinking about uh, fear and integrity. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey man, how's it going? I'm actually uh, quite proud to say that I uh, uh, contributed to selecting a title for this episode and we did it in a short amount of time compared to normal. That is true, although I will say the alternative title was Witch Witch, the name of a sandwich place, and I'm not sure anyone would have known what was going on. And we have gotten praise for our titles in the past, so we have to continue the legacy. Yeah, I was just kind of throwing stuff out there, hoping something would stick. I, I Ideally, you know, it would be uh, one of my first few few options, but I think this one was like number five, but you know, that's fine. At least we got, we got started at a somewhat decent time compared to what I thought. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm super excited about this week because tomorrow we are going uh, Black Friday shopping nice and early, heading out to the North Face. And then just thinking about like what's coming up in the winter, we're going skiing and everything. I can't wait for all this stuff coming up. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be fun to actually, you know, be home for a little bit of time. And with like classes starting a little bit later this um, this coming semester, should be a lot of a lot of time to enjoy Christmas and New Year's and going skiing and all that but when you guys are listening it's actually thanksgiving so happy thanksgiving to everyone yeah happy thanksgiving we were going to talk about thanksgiving today but we already did a this week meets the cross on it and so we figured we'd go a different direction and i actually can't think of a passage that has less to do with thanksgiving (laughs) yeah you know interestingly enough i thought we were gonna select a passage that was about something to do with thanksgiving and then when, when you told me it was this passage, uh, I quickly became, became confused. Well, should we jump but, in? You know, we can learn about um, the, uh, well, it's up for debate if we're going to, if she is the wicked witch, but it is certainly true that uh, Saul, the king here, displays some wickedness. So should we jump into 1 Samuel 28 and uh, check out what's going on? Yeah, man, sounds good. Should we uh, start off with a little background and intro? Yeah, so we're in 1 Samuel 28. Which is, so we've already gone through uh, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible at this point. And so right now, um, they've already come into the promised land. And the the people who have had a bad, who have been ungodly in the book of Judges, at the beginning of 1 Samuel, they ask for a king like the nations in, I think, 1 Samuel 8 and 9. And so that's that's very particular language because they want to be like those around them. And why did God give them the law? He wanted them to be a distinct, holy people uh, to, to resemble and represent him. And so Saul is a king like the nations, and he's handsome. He, it's a very worldly idea of kingship. And so he's probably not saved. He's presented as kind of the opposite of the topology seen in David and Jesus. Uh, David's the king after God's own heart. And so at this point in the story, David has had his private anointing as king in 1 Samuel 16. We've seen David and Goliath it's earlier in the story in 1 Samuel is David and Goliath, uh, but we haven't had David's public anointings. And recently in 1 Samuel, David's been on the run from Saul. And so David is a man of God's own choosing, as I said. And so as we get into 1 Samuel, we need the context is that uh, Saul, and we're not going to read every verse, but Saul is going, Saul is afraid. That's the basis for his actions here. And so 
in verse 3, it says that Samuel had died and Israel had mourned from him, mourned uh, for him, and Saul had put the mediums, the witches, and the necromancers out of the land. And then in verse 5, he saw that he was going to face the Philistines and that they were uh, they looked great. They looked powerful. And so he was uh, greatly afraid and he asked, uh, he wanted to seek out God, but God did not answer him. And this is because uh, Saul had been disobedient. Uh, so that's kind of an introduction of where we are. And this is significant because uh, it says that Saul had put the necromancers and the witches out of the land. These sorts of people were not supposed to be among the people of Israel. We learned this in Leviticus 19 and 20, Deuteronomy 18. So this is not something that's supposed to be characteristic of Israel. Uh, yet Saul goes after and seeks out a witch. You know, I just, I, I kind of find it interesting, like starting off uh, thinking about how, you know, it's Saul himself who it says cast out the witches and the necromancers from the land. But then, you know, he ends up going to one, um, you know, and like you said, I feel like a, a part of that is his own um, fear and worry of, you know, the situation uh, going on. But I, I think it's it's very interesting to think about how, you know, he makes this rule and then he's kind of a hypocrite about it in a way and goes against his own rule. Yeah, exactly. And I think that goes right with, in with like a lot of what we can talk about in this passage because so he seeks out uh, a woman. So he tells his, his servant, seek out for me a woman who's a medium that he may go and inquire. And he knows this is against the law. So he goes to the woman and the woman even knows the law. The woman who is a, a practicer of what's not good for Israel, she even knows it. She says, surely you know what Saul's done, how he's cut off the mediums and the necromancers. But what does is, what is Saul reply in verse 10? He swears to her by the Lord, as the Lord lives, no punishment shall come uh, upon you for this thing. And so in verses 5 through 9, we see that Saul goes against his own Torah abiding policy due to his fear and that the witch knows the law. And so instead of trusting God because he's afraid about the Philistines, he is in a spot of unbelief and he needs to know what is going to happen next to relieve his fear. And that's that's something that we can all relate to, that that we don't know the future. We're uncertain. Something seems like it could potentially like, you know, ruin our path or something of that sort. And so we want to we need this knowledge of the future. We need a certainty about what's going to happen. And so this is uh, this fear manifests itself in, in so many ways. You think about Peter in John chapter 18. He, uh, we see that his fear manifests itself in fight and in flight. He, he cuts off the ear of the, of the servant of the high priest. I think his name is Malchus. And then he also denies Jesus three times. And so we see that fear manifests itself all over uh, the Gospels. But the right fear isn't the fear of man or the fear of uncertainty. The right fear is to fear uh, the, the God who can destroy the body and the soul, Jesus says in Matthew 10. But Saul doesn't fear God. He, he fears the one who can kill the body. He fears the Philistines. Yeah, man. So as you said, you know, Saul has this great fear for what's going to happen in the future. And, uh, you know, he, by going to the witch, he, he feels like that by knowing what's going to happen in the future, you know, he's going to gain peace and comfort from that. But in actuality, what he ends up finding out is, you know, quite the opposite. Um, so the witch essentially um, calls back Samuel from the dead. And then Samuel ends up telling Saul uh, that he is going to meet his doom. And, you know, in, in this instant of him, like, turning away from God and trying to, um, you know, gain his own peace, understanding and knowledge of the future by his, you know, own doing it and, and through this witch, 
um, you know, he ends up falling on his face and, you know, it does not go his way. Yeah, it's super interesting to think about how, like, why God allowed this to happen or how the pagan magic kind of occurs or how pagan witchcraft would have worked. But I think it is likely that God just allows Samuel to appear through this sinful manner of, of typical uh, divine workings just so he can tell Saul of impending death and, and judgment. And we know that this is why Saul uh, ends up dying is is because of what he, he does, because what is... First Chronicles 10, 13 through 14 says, So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord and consulted a medium seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David. So because he didn't trust the Lord and because he sought, sought guidance from a witch, which is pretty much the exact opposite of God, and the witch was outlawed and God was supposed to be the center for Israel, then he is then he is put to death. And I, and I just want to go back to verse 10 real quick. Saul swore to her by the Lord, as the Lord lives, no punishment's going to come upon you. And so he goes against his own law. And so this willful sin displays a lack of integrity. And in Proverbs 10, 9, it says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. So the one with integrity is contrasted with one who conceals evil. And when we have a lack of integrity or a lack of consistency or a lack of congruence between what we say and what we do, what, how does that often manifest? Well, we protect and we hide ourselves because it's, it, it, it does not fit well with the human design and how God designed us to uh, protect and, or to have an inconsistency. And so as a result, we hide ourselves. And so Saul protects evil. He says, nothing's going to happen to you. No worries. In an attempt to protect himself so that he can know something about the future. And so I, th- I just think that's really interesting about how even in our own lives, like, yeah, most of us aren't seeking out a witch on the day to day or at any day and any point in our in our lifespan here that God's given us. But at any given point, we may be in our own lack of consistency and a lack of moral integrity, and we might uh, that fear might manifest itself in a sinful way as well. For sure, man, I, I definitely agree with you, and and definitely agree. It's it's super important that um, we we live uh we try to live our lives in you know according to how. Christ would want us to, but you know another interesting point about uh, this um, this passage here is how uh, Samuel comes back from the dead. It's it's kind of interesting to think about um, how all that goes down. You know specifically like where he's coming from and, and how this kind of take place. Um, do you have any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I actually. As I've been reading about this passage and just thinking through the Old Testament in general a lot uh, this fall, as I've been uh, spending some time in uh, Daniel and now Ezekiel, and uh, I read through First and Second Samuel, and just uh, it's interesting how much Sheol comes up. And so Sheol isn't like a common term in the church today or anything. And so there's there's a lot of debates and thoughts on what's going on. And so Matthew Emerson, who's actually down the road from me, I, I guess he's a he's a scholar who is I think at Oklahoma Baptist University, but he talks about how uh, Sheol appears in the Old Testament with reference to the afterlife. And so Sheol is like this place of uh, the devil and is like a an afterlife exile, which is kind of interesting to think about. We've talked about a lot about exile on here, especially when we talked about Nehemiah. And so, yes, God reigns over Sheol, but 
uh, there and God can raise people up from Sheol, but Sheol is in general a place of darkness. And so this, so uh, there are debates like, oh, is heaven in Sheol, and is Sheol have different compartments? Like, how does Sheol work? And so I, I think more so that Sheol and heaven are are separate. That's kind of like the view that we get in like. Uh, in Job 11 and some other places. And so I think it's a place that brings about fear mainly in people's lives. And while we do see a few times that the faithful are there, like Jacob in in Genesis 37, uh, it's more linked with the people of the wicked. And so again, it is weird that Samuel's there in general, because we know that Samuel was a godly man. So it's weird that he's coming up from the land from the land of the dead. And that he's telling Saul that he's going to join him once he's defeated. Um, but I would say it's it's more than likely a place for unbelievers, although the language is very, uh, very iffy there. But did that clear anything up or did that help? I, I know it's a really confusing uh, topic. Yeah, it definitely cleared it up a little bit. Um, I guess, do you have, do you think it has anything to do uh, with the fact that, you know, um, this is like the Old Testament prior to, um, you know, Jesus's death and resurrection? Um you know, maybe that has something to do with it. What do you think about that? Well, so that's an interesting point because there are debates among uh, uh, critical scholars of the Bible and uh, theologians in general on when when in the Old Testament uh, ideas about resurrection developed and when in the Old Testament ideas about uh, the afterlife developed. Some say that ideas in the after about the afterlife weren't even developed until the return from exile, like in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah and that sort of thing, or at least in exile. And we see in, in Daniel 12, a, a lengthy depiction of the resurrection of Christians or believers in general. But I tend to think it's earlier than that. So I don't, I don't think that the Bible develops the idea of the afterlife as clearly before we get to Jesus, like you were saying. But I do think that the Israel in general did have an idea about the afterlife, even in the even in uh, Exodus and, and those sorts of stories. I do think that there is enough of a motif or uh, a pattern of thinking about uh, death and life in those. And I do think that there is clarity there that there is ideas about the afterlife. But I agree with you that it's certainly way more clear uh, in the New Testament, uh, particularly with Jesus's words and certainly Paul. For sure, man. That's some good insight there. Um, but, you know, thinking more back to, you know, what's going on with Saul, it's clear that, you know, his his fear causes a manifestation of um, sin for him. And, you know, I, th- I think it's easy for um, us as well, you know, to, to fall into this, like, feeling of, you know, wanting to know what's going to happen in the future having fear associated with that and then, you know, not letting that, um, you know, turn into um, something that's like, you know, unhealthy of just worrying so much about the future that, you know, you forget to rely upon God for, you know, trusting in him and, you know, what uh, lies in our future and, you know, trusting his plans and knowing that his plans are are better than our plans um, and not, you know, falling to the same kinds of of traps of falling to sin as we, as we uh, see Saul, uh, has done here. Yeah, I totally agree. It's interesting Samuel's response to him. Like, why, why did, why did you ask me? The Lord has turned from you. Your sin is obvious. And so it's, it's super interesting that, you know, he rebukes him. And then Saul does give, Saul does get the certainty that he wants. He wants to know the future, but Saul tells, or Saul is told that the Lord's going to give him into the hand of the Philistines. 
And so um, it's clear that he gets certainty about what's going to happen, but it's not any sort of reassuring certainty. It's as if you wanted uh, certainty about, you know, am I going to live later into life? And then you were told that you're going to, you know, die tomorrow. That's not like a good certainty uh, or anything like that. And so it's interesting how Samuel rebukes him. And it's interesting um, how even in even today, when we are, you know, it's not normal for a, some sort of prophet to be coming to us or, you know, we're not Saul here with Samuel coming up from the dead, but the scripture day in and day out as we spend time is, is, is rebuking our, our sense of need for security, our need for money, our need for uh, certain people in life. And it's, it's rebuking that and it's uh, shaping us and forming us and uh, telling us that we don't need a certain future. Uh, I I recall what Dr. Moore had to say in our interview with him about how the worst has already happened to us. If you've been crucified with Christ, uh, if you're in Christ, you've already been crucified, the worst has happened to you, and your best case scenario is not a a better job or um, a great family. Your best case scenario is that you are are united to uh, God, you're reconciled to God, and that scenario has already happened to you as Jesus is uh, at the right hand of the Father and you're in Christ. So I really think about how knowing uh, our union with Christ uh, it dissolves a lot of the uncertainty. And that's why, another reason why it's uh, likely, in my opinion, that Saul is not saved. Um, but I will say for the believer today, it is, or, or then, you know, it says in Romans 4 that Abraham had faith in God's promises. We also see that in Hebrews 11. And so I think it's interesting to think about uh, how knowing uh, God's promises and the trustworthiness of that uh, can can reshape our future and our hope and take away the anxiety and the stress and the fear. And that'll allow us to have the integrity that we want that Saul doesn't have. Yeah, that's really good, man. But, you know, you know, it's it's interesting to think about how, you know, Saul was so worried. But, you know, had he had um, a more, uh, you know, healthy fear uh, of heavenly judgment, you know, deeper fear, um, instead of, you know, this very uh, materialistic, just wanting to know what's going to happen in the future um, kind of fear and, and misunderstanding of, you know, what uh, God's way was for him. Uh, you know, this, a deeper heavenly fear probably would have uh, driven Saul to godliness. Uh, and, you know, he would have had a deeper understanding of the Lord's blessing upon Israel. And, and you know, he wouldn't have been as worried about, uh, you know, the coming battle with the Philistines. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's, and you think about how is, you think about how Saul is shaping the future of Israel, because although they do get a godly leader in David, what's the point of Israel? Well, we know from the Abrahamic covenant and the book of Isaiah that Israel is not just for Israel's sake. That that's not that's not how God operates. Israel is meant to glorify God by being a blessing to the nations. This is why God or this is why God told Abraham that uh, he would be his name would be a blessing to the nations. And so, uh, who is Israel? Well, Israel uh, is Christ Jesus, as as we've talked about before in our Israel episode on this week meets the cross. And so, Israel is meant to be a blessing to the nations. But Israel, with Saul here, can't be a blessing to the nations if it's being defeated by the Philistines. If Saul's being an ungodly leader, and it's it's manifesting itself in the fact that he doesn't have an integrity to the law as it as it's been given. And and so I just think like kind of thinking about today and integrity, it kind of goes back to, do we believe what we say? Did Saul believe 
that uh, his his law was godly and that his law was uh, right. Um, and and maybe he did at the time he instituted it. Um, but our, we have to remember our witness, even if he did and then he sinned. Uh, part of the reason, a, a secondary reason, besides the fact that our sin uh, grieves God and is an offense against God, is that our sin hurts our witness. Our witness isn't primarily hurt when we say the truth. It's, it's when we don't hold to that truth. And so it's not that he had a policy against witches and necromancers. Andre loves the word necromancers uh, now, by the way, everyone. But it's not that uh, Saul's policy about necromancers was hurting Israel. It's that he didn't hold to his law. And then so he seeks out Samuel. He's rebuked by Samuel. And then he's put to death by God. And so we need to hold to uh, what we say. And uh, I think that that would lead to a deeper uh, integrity and a deeper witness for uh, the church and the glory of God. Yeah, man, for sure. And, you know, uh, to wrap this up, we know we we see that, you know, Saul is scared of, uh, you know, the potential for death coming from this battle with the Philistines. And he's scared of this judgment um, in in the battle. We don't really see him worried about, um, you know, being judged by God, you know, how God uh, thinks and feels and sees like the things that he's doing, um, and, and his lack of integrity when he, when he makes this law and then, you know, he goes against it. But I think it's really helpful for us to think of, um, you know, God's judgment more so than just our worry of the future, because, um, we know that, um, at the judge's judgment seat of Christ, we are cleared, uh, by his blood. And, and you know, this gives us, uh, a deeper remembrance of, you know, God's mercy, which is available to us, as well as um, God's righteousness, you know, which uh, leads us to uh, to uh, think about, um, you know, living our lives uh, in holiness and integrity and, you know, driving us uh towards God's mission. Man, that's awesome. I love that because uh, just wrapping up, bringing something about witchcraft back to Thanksgiving, we can all be thankful that at the judgment seat of Christ, if we've placed our faith in the Lord Jesus, we have been uh, forgiven. Ephesians 1 says, in his blood we have redemption, or in him we have redemption through his blood. And so thinking about that, we know that uh, before God, we can be cleared uh, due to his mercy in the cross. And so we no longer have to face a fear of the future because our future, uh, as the prophets told us, is certain in the Lord. And so we're thankful for that. We hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us again on Radically Normal.